All right, so if you've got your Bibles, please turn to the book of Romans. We're going to be in chapter 12. So today we're going to discuss, even as we had our servant party, some of the blessings of serving the Lord. And the context, I hope and pray, in Romans chapter 12 will help make it more clear. All right, if you're able to stand with me, please do. We're going to start reading from verse 9, Romans 12, at verse 9. It says, Let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Verse 11 says, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Please pray with me. Father in heaven, Lord, we ask for you to please empower us here today. We thank you, Lord, that you give us your grace for salvation. We ask for your grace for daily living, and we ask especially, Lord, for your grace as we walk with you, following you, Jesus, as you say, follow me. And you want to lead us to a place where our lives now glorify you, where we would serve you now and serve your wife, the bride of Christ, the church. And by so doing, we're serving you. It says we're serving the Lord. So please, Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior, that you would equip us that you would anoint us and empower us. And Father, again, you are the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Please comfort the hearts that are here, Lord. Help us. Each and every one of us is going through our own trial, our own test right now in life. But we ask for your grace. We ask for your strength to make it through the day to be able to live our lives to glorify you. Please help us. Send the helper. We know that you shall. We trust you. We ask for your strength. Strengthen us, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you. You guys could have a seat if you would. So again, today I want to talk to you about serving the Lord. And we're going to be discussing a little bit about some of the benefits of serving the Lord, as we'll see here in Romans chapter 12. So earlier today, of course, you guys know, we had our servant appreciation party, where we get to honor those that are serving the Lord by serving you and I here in the church, and even me. We serve one another. We want to love one another like Jesus said. Amen? And the only way to do that is to put it into practice. So that's why it looks like it's, it was a party we had here today. It doesn't look like this every day, every Sunday. But you and I know that, let's say, when you go for a job interview, one of the things you ask for or look for is, how much do I get paid? And after working a certain amount of time, what are the benefits? You guys know this. We all, who here has gone through that? I've gone through that. I think we all do, right? So if you had a full-time job in America with an average employer in the United States, you typically get pay with benefits. But in order to get those benefits, you have to put in what? The work. We all know that, right? Imagine how crazy, how ludicrous that would be if you go to your employer, you're being interviewed, and you're like, how much do I get paid? All right, do I get medical? Do I I get dental? Do I get vision? Wait wait a second, I don't have to show up, do I? I don't have to put in the work. What are they going to tell you on that first interview? (laughs) Go, we'll call you. Don't call me, we'll call you. Hit the road, Jack, like the song, right? So it would be ludicrous to think of that. And we hear of some of the awesome benefits that so many of us Christians talk about by serving the Lord, by walking with Him. And you're going to find that here in chapter 12 and on. 
This is why we need to know the context of the text. So when it comes to serving the Lord Jesus Christ or serving Jesus as your Lord, you're going to hear about benefits. It could be the maturity of a Christian in their walk. It could be the peace that they have that passes all understanding, like he says in the text. That peace that will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. It could be God's grace that seems to ooze and flow out of someone's life. You hear of these awesome benefits. But guess what you got to do in order to get those benefits? Put in the work. <laughs> Someone just said that, right? Put in the work. you got to put in the hour. You have to actually walk with the Lord, serve the Lord. He cares more about not how much I know of the text, but how much I'm actually putting into practice. Amen? How much I'm walking out the word, not just speaking the word. Even as I share this with you, it's greatly convicting to me. We can hear about even the Lord's anointing being upon someone to do incredible works for God. God, I want that in my life. But am I willing to put in the effort? Am I willing to actually serve the Lord, or am I going to keep serving who? Those of you know, who knows that? If I'm not serving the Lord, (laughs) if I'm not serving the Lord, who am I serving? Self. And that's the challenge that Jesus is trying to get all of us out. He's trying to get us out of that line, which is self-worship. It's actually what it is. You become your own God. You are your own Lord. And now I have to choose daily to make who Lord? Jesus. And as you and I study Romans chapter 12 and on, we have to understand the text within the context, or else here's what happens. You're going to read a verse in chapter 12. You're going to see the command, because we're going to have some commands later on in this chapter until the end of the book. This is now, remember, this is all the practical. This is putting into practice what we learn from chapters 1 through 11. And if you take the verse and just extrapolate that principle and try to apply it, you and I are going to get bummed out, get frustrated, you're going to burn out, and then drop out. That's always what happens with us as Christians. So we don't want to burn out and drop out. Amen? Okay. You'll get bummed out because you get frustrated. You're going to burn out and drop out. Why? Because he wants you and I to not just do it, but see the context of the text. All right? I think sometimes there could be the tendency for some of us who desire the benefits that come out of serving the Lord, but not actually wanting to put in the work to serve the Lord. I've been guilty of that. And I look at this, it's like the only way these things are going to apply and to work is that I have to learn to put these things into practice. So again, it's sort of equivalent to wanting the benefits of a job, but without actually showing up and doing the job. Okay? What will happen with that employer and that employee is like, no, no, it doesn't work that way. So I just want to remind you and I, and this is a good reminder even for myself, it just doesn't work that way. It's not going to happen. So as we see these things, let's study. This is why we want to come, even to Calvary Chapels, praise God. We, we study God's word. We look at an entire book of the Bible. We expose or exposit. It's called expository teaching, expository preaching. We're exposing what God says, but we look at it and study in the context. Right? The text needs to be seen and observed within the context of the text. So you don't, again, get bummed out, burn out, and drop out. So, gang, we got to know this is how Romans chapter 12 is, and this is how it's written. In other words, as we already studied, we got to chapter 11, and as we, we see the text, we see that we're all sinners. Any sinners here? Romans chapter 3, all of us have sinned. And not only through Christ Jesus, 
are we justified because of his work that he did. He died on the cross, poured out his blood. Who he is and what he's done. You and I believe and receive his work for salvation, and now it's justified, never sinned. I'm now justified. Justification. He doesn't even hold me accountable for those past sins. Like, what? doesn't make sense. And yet that's what the Father does because of his love for you and me through his Son, our Savior Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? No. Does it have to? No. That's just the character, the blessing nature of God, our Heavenly Father. So now as you and I receive the salvation through Jesus Christ, now we come to chapter 12. Okay, just a quick recap. After reading through chapters 1 through 11 and getting saved, okay, now we need to do what? We need to dedicate our bodies a living sacrifice to Him. That's Romans 12, verse 1. And now after dedicating my body, He also wants to renew my mind, body and mind. And now I need to no longer be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. He wants to change our thought life. Who here knows God, please change my thought life. This thing, my head's a mess. My head space is messed up. Help me. And that happens how often? Daily, right? Daily. You and I must spend time with the Lord. So we dedicate our bodies, a living sacrifice. We surrender to God's spirit that he could renew our minds with our thought life. And now as you read through the verses up until verse 9 where we started this morning, he does what? He's going to empower you and I with spiritual gifts. And what are those gifts for? If we take a shout back, a step back in time, look at verse 6. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, what does he say? Use them. Let us use them. So now, that's the context. You're already saved. You're already empowered by the Spirit, dead to things of self in the past. My body's dedicated to Him, a living sacrifice. My mind, I'm crying out to Him. Renew my mind. Help me with my thought life. I'm empowered by His Spirit, given spiritual giftings. Grace. Grace to walk, grace to live, grace to serve Him. And what's the context within the church? And in that context, this is where we break down verses 9 and on. So I need us to know this. So now, actually using our spiritual gifts in the church to help people, just like verse 6 shows, now we can, just like we ended up in our starting opening up with verses, look at verse 11, those last three words, now what are we doing? We're serving the Lord. This is the context. Please understand the text within the context. So this message today is primarily for those who are serving the Lord in the church, like you guys just saw. And I really believe for all of us as Christians, if you believe that you're a born-again Christian because of not the works you can do, but the work that he did, amen? You're saved by what? Grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Not of your works. It's a gift of God. So... You go on, you keep reading, and that's Ephesians chapter 2. You are his workmanship, his work of art, the poem. The Greek word is poema. You're his poetry. You're his poem. You're his, as a creator, his expression. He wants to express himself through you now. Going on there, that's Ephesians 2 verse 10. You're created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He's waiting for us to walk in. So as you are answering your calling, when we look at we study this here, it, again, today's message is primarily for those that are serving the Lord, but I believe if you're born again, this is also your calling. Jesus is also saying to you, what? Follow me. Stop following yourself. True. 
This is all of us. And look at the context of the text. While we're serving the Lord with our spiritual gifts, this is the only way you and I can obey these commands in Romans chapter 12. Please understand that. That's why I want to be a good Bible teacher. Not the best, but an okay one. And I know I need to share this text within the context, or else you're going to see it. You'll look at a command, because there's commands here, and you go, but God, I can't do this. I'm so frustrated. I'm going to get bummed out, and then I burn out, and then drop out. And that happens. Why? Because we need to see the text in the context that is written. So it's written to the church, and you and I need to be serving the Lord using these spiritual gifts. You're not perfect, but he's the one that's going to help you along the way. Amen? The Father, through Jesus, sends the helper, the Holy Spirit. And how many of us know, Lord, oh, Lord, I need help. A couple of you guys. <laughs> okay, we need help. We need help daily. That's also a benefit of serving the Lord. You're commanded to do what he's asking you to do, but he also equips you to do what he commands you to do. Amen? And as you do, you cry out to him. The helper is going to help you. So we need to do these things within the context that is written here. Okay, so I just want to share with you some of these things here today. And if you're already a born-again Christian, praise God. And especially if this is your home church, praise God. Pray and consider serving the Lord. Why? So he can actually mature you and help you to grow. It's not me doing it. It's not us doing it. It's still Jesus doing it. He's doing it through the body of Christ. So he wants to do that and empower you. I believe he's going to speak to some folks here. So a couple of things here. Notice this as we go back to what we started in opening up here. Notice this in verse 10. In honor, now again, the context, we're looking about serving the Lord with these spiritual gifts publicly within the church. That's Romans. That's what he's talking about here. And look at this in verse 10. In honor, giving preference to one another. Now, do you know that, again, even as I open up and shared, the context of this text will make more sense as you serve the Lord publicly. Because you might just look at this and go, how do I give honor to someone? How am I going to give preference to them? Is that when I'm standing in line at the grocery store and there's 20 people ahead of me? I'm like, hey, can I go in front of you? I just got a potato. You've got this whole cart full. You're like, I don't speak English. He's like, what are you thinking? Like, no, it doesn't work. (laughs) Not just there. God might test you with that. But here's how this works that I see even amongst the folks that you saw standing before you this morning. Do you know that they are honoring Jesus by honoring you? How? Because they wake up early and come in here early every Sunday. They're giving honor to you. They're preferring you over themselves. You you see, the only way to serve Jesus is to sacrificially serve. Amen? And so they sacrifice. And I see them because they're honoring Jesus and honoring you the wife of Jesus, guess what God does? He honors them. And we see them grow right in front of our eyes. In honor giving preference to one another. I see that happen here with the servants. They do that over and over. Here in God's church, even some in my family, even Joshua or, or Susan, my wife, she's up there, she's always like serving and running around. I gotta tell her, you gotta sleep. <laughs> and we don't get paid doing this. It's a labor of love, just like the rest of you guys that serve. And yet we get the benefits of serving. It's the blessing. And, and those that don't serve God publicly within the church, we're never going to understand that. I was one that never understood it until I answered that call like Isaiah. Here am I and me. Isaiah 6, verse 8. The principle of availability. So when you're serving the Lord, 
you experiential, experientially learn to honor others. For those of you folks that are serving, I want to just encourage you to keep honoring others. You're experientially learning how to honor others. And the folks here, including me, are blessed. And I want you guys to know, including those, those of us that are serving, they're the ones that are making it happen so that you can come in here and be what? Served in a service. You ever look at the, the, the English words we look at, right? A service. You come to a service, you want to be served. Well, they're the ones that make it happen. And how are they doing this? They're actually applying this in verse 10. In honor, giving preference to one another. And, you know, you wrap this all up in, what's the context here even? You see in verse 10? Love. Love. So they're experiential. I see them do that. Some come in and sometimes, and they'll even share with me, pray for me. I have a headache. Pray for me. I'm tired. I'll tell my wife too sometimes. I wake up in the morning. Oh, man, I'm tired <laughs> when I wake up. On Sunday morning, what a God do. Sometimes I'll jokingly say to my wife, do I still got to come in? Because, not because I'm a pastor, but because Jesus Christ is my Lord. Amen? And so he tells me, follow me. And every single time, he powers through. I don't know how he does it. I still get tired afterwards on Sundays. But every time he does it, even if I don't sleep through the whole night, even if I have a headache, I just want to put all that stuff aside. Lord, help me focus on you and others. And help me to be used of you as a conduit, not just a receptacle like a bull, more like the item that receives and pours out a receptacle. Think of a faucet. That you would pour out your spirit like living water. God, I want to be used of you. And that's the biggest blessing. That is a huge benefit of serving the Lord. Continuing on, notice what it says in verse 11. Not lagging in diligence. Hey, when you're serving the Lord, God's going to test you and I to what? Not lag in diligence. Just keep at it. It's, it, I heard this saying once years ago, and this totally makes sense. I heard this even before moving here from California some 22 years ago. It's a long obedience in the same direction that becomes that blessing that's used by God. Just like a plant. You can plant a seed, an apple seed, and we study this, even with today's modern technology, I said this before, maybe, maybe, maybe someone here remembers. How many years do you think it takes for that seed of an apple tree, uh, that apple seed, to become a mature tree to produce mature fruit? About seven or eight years. Even with our technology today, about se- at least seven or eight years, it's a long obedience with using that analogy. Staying planted. That over time, not just uprooting roots like a church hopper. That's what I, I used to be like that. And then I'd get rebuked by my friends like, dude, you ever get discipled? I'm just having fun. We'd listen to Calvary Chapel Radio in Orange County, California. Like, who do we want to go see now? Who are we going to? It was entertainment for us. And we went to like all the Great Glory Harvest Crusades and you see the bumper stickers there in California. Anybody been in Southern California? Around Calvary Chapel? Some of you guys maybe. <laughs> so you'll see that. Like, follow me to the Harvest Crusade. They have that every year. So we. Things were event and entertainment driven and there's a large swath of American Christianity that would be able to just go fellowship to fellowship. But what did they not have? Any roots. When Jesus taught the parable of the four soils, guess which soil that was? The second soil, the church hopper. The the one that did not have Jesus as root in himself. No maturity, no growth. And yet the analogy he's using is a fruit tree. It's basically a fruit tree that bears 
other fruit trees. That's, you know what that is? That's a disciple that makes disciples. Some bear fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Okay, so you and I got to pray and get planted. And then what? He's going to test you and I to have diligence. The Lord, I've been at this for so long. It's been a month now. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> the only way that I can last out here is not by willingness. It's not my pure strength because I, I got none. It's not my, like the little engine that could. I think I can. I think I can. I'm going to do better this year. I'm going to do, do more. Give more. Go more. Do more. No. You know what that is? It's not because of me, because I wanted to quit so many times, especially in the first three years or so. It felt like it was negative throughout here. But I saw what the Lord can do when it's done His way. And I look at that, and I look into the eyes of some of you guys that come in here, and like, think about it. How did God bring you in here? I, I don't know. It's not me doing the work. It's the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost doing it. He's bringing people in. I love that. And what does he want you and me to do as we're serving the Lord? Again, that's the context. Not lagging diligence. Drew, just be faithful to do what I'm calling you to do. Stay in your lane. You don't need to do more. Don't do less. Just stay diligent. Not lagging in diligence. Continuing on, look at this in verse 12. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Rejoicing in hope. This is another thing that's a benefit of serving the Lord. Okay, we're going to learn, as I open up the first thing here, an honor giving preference to one another. We're going to learn that that's a beautiful blessing, learning how to give honor to others. Can you turn on the AC? Thank you. Uh, another blessing and benefit is by being diligent, God's just going to bless you in your ministry and you're walking with the Lord over a long haul. Oh, but it's been a month now. It's been half a year. It's been a year. It's been five years. Keep going. Keep plowing with the Lord. Don't give up until he says to. Verse 12, though, another thing here is rejoicing in hope. Rejoicing in hope will speak of us having a joy no matter what the outcome is. So some of us, we might want to have joy only if the outcome is favorable to who? point to self and guess what that's a form of that's not blessed hope that's self-worship isn't it so hope gives me positive thoughts a positive outlook for the future but i need to rejoice the opposite of this of rejoicing in hope would be having a negative pessimistic attitude some of us only want to have joy and rejoice in a good outcome like the guy that's there at the bodega like feeding off the scratchers you know, the one that's standing in front of you in line. You're like, I just want to get my drink. Can you some of you guys what I'm talking about? And it's like, oh, I hit it. And then what they do, you know they're not going to get out of your way because what they do with that $5? They're going to buy five more tickets, right? And that, that dude, that person might sit there and rejoice only when they what? When they win. Oh, I wasted another money. And they don't even bother throwing it away. Sometimes they just throw it on the ground. like, that's kind of sad. So rejoicing in hope. Don't rejoice or have joy only in a good outcome. What about if it's God's will for him not to answer your prayer, but for him to step on your path, or for, I'm sorry, for you to step on his path so he could teach you something of grace, like patience, like waiting for him. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. 
You want that? We pray for that. Isaiah 40, verse 31, we sing those songs, right? Like that one song, beautiful song. Here I am waiting. That eagle's wing song, right? Come live in me. I'm not going to sing that for you. But we want that, but am I willing to wait on the Lord? Look out, I prayed. I prayed yesterday for five minutes. So, someone like Daniel would be like, well, I've been praying until the answer comes. And I need to rejoice in hope. So have joy no matter the outcome. Rejoice in hope. It's not yet there. See the context? Not yet there. You and I need to rejoice in hope. Lord, I've been serving you like it says here in Romans 12. How come this hasn't happened yet? I still need to rejoice. I still need to have hope. God, maybe what I'm holding on to is not the call of God or the will of God, but my own will. And help me to die to that and hold on to hope in you. That no matter what, even if things don't get better, I still choose to love you. I still choose to serve you no matter what. I've had to do that where I actually put my own life on the line. Here in Middle Village, Queens, New York City, USA, a bunch of times, especially at the start. I moved here. I had my Bible. I had faith in my calling. I didn't know any of you that are here. And all I could hold on to, faith gives you eyes to see what you can't see. All I had to hold on to was the hope because he was telling me he wanted a Bible teaching church, a Calvary Chapel type church here. And I'm like, that's crazy. I go back and I look at some of my emails. I remember sending to my friends some like, like back in 2002-ish. Like if that's what the Lord wants, praise God. But I had to put my life on the line with this thought. This is before I was married, before I had kids. If I die, I die. So what? That's easy to do when you're a single guy. But I had to look at not my life, but have hope in what God was asking me to do and hold on to that, no matter the circumstances. As were circumstances for years, it looked really horrible. It was excruciatingly painful. I remember being in a one-car garage living here in New York City, but in, in Middle Village. One-car garage. I'm not that tall. I'd be able to palm the ceiling. Some of you guys have seen garages like that. By standing on the ground. I'm not that tall. But this place was small. And sleeping on the ground. Like just get a blanket and throw it on the ground. I remember I was happy when, when I got to go to BJ's and I bought, it was like $100 for a mattress. <laughs> I didn't know box spring. I just threw it on the ground. I was happy because I didn't have anything. I look at that and go, but those are some of the most beautiful times that I had. So simple that I didn't really care if I had much food to eat, but I had Jesus. And he always provided for me. And the problem, the challenge gets to be in life and in ministry when you're walking with him, serving him, and he's answering your prayers, and he's doing what he's called you to do, but also blessing you to walk on that path that he's always ordained for you to walk on. There's something that happens. It's called success. In other words, things get easier. That becomes a different kind of challenge. Where now I, I have to keep rebuking my own heart and even looking at this rejoicing in hope. Oh, Lord, help me to keep moving forward no matter the cost, no matter what happens, no matter the outcome. Rejoicing in hope. Not just rejoicing when, yay, you answer my prayers. Yay, you give me a job. Yay. What if he doesn't do that? What if he sends you on a mission? to do or to go, I didn't want to come to New York City. Some of you guys didn't know that. I, I love that now. You know why? Because I love Jesus. And I want his calling. And he called me to come here. And I didn't feel like it. It didn't feel good for years. It still is very annoying to me at times. 
Because I like my peace and quiet. I'll put on peaceful music, like instrumental peaceful music. I even tell my, my family at home, they got to you know, pray for me. Sometimes I, the small things irritate me, and I got to learn. God, help me. <laughs> so anyhow, continuing on. Rejoicing in hope. Let's learn to rejoice in hope, not just rejoice in a good outcome. Amen? Rejoicing in hope as you serve the Lord. That's the context. Notice the second thing he says here. Patient in tribulation. Oh, how many of you that are serving the Lord, walking with Jesus, how many of you know as soon as you take your foot off of your path and now you put your foot on the path of following Jesus, serving the Lord, publicly especially, how many of you know you're going to go through way more trials and tribulation? Raise your hand if you know that. That's what happens. That's what happens. You've got to know that. It's a real war we're in. We're not on vacation. <laughs> it's a real war. When you're serving the Lord, you're going to go through a lot spiritually. You are. Be prepared for that. Guess what the Lord's going to teach you really only while you're serving Him, waiting on Him, walking with Him, battling with Him when He's conquering the battle for you. You're only going to learn spiritual patience as you follow Him. And how many of you have prayed, God, make me more patient. Help me with patience. Is that any of you guys? Oh, you know He always likes to answer that. You know, how does He answer that when you ask for patience? Oh, look, wow, did you hear that? We had like an emotional response from someone. Oh, ah, it's like Peanuts cartoon, Charlie Bell. Ah, sigh. <laughs> you pray for patience, he'll, maybe he'll give you someone to test your patience. He'll give you a scenario. But you've got to go through it with the grace, with the strength. This is spiritual patience. Got to go through it with what he's going to give you. But especially when you're serving the Lord, the Lord is pleased, but the devil's upset. You know what he's going to do? He's going to make your, your life sometimes tougher. Some of you guys have been in the military. <laughs> my, my wife has been through eight years in the army. You know, that's designed to toughen you up, isn't it? It is. Same thing with spiritual warfare. You know that God allows it in to test you, and the devil, the enemy, tries to tempt you. What? To quit. Once you come to a Bible teaching church like this, it's very hands-on in disciple-making. Very, we're very hands-on with that. The enemy doesn't want that, especially not here in like, Queens, New York City. The enemy wants you to not be serving, not be here, do anything. Like even in a place I work at, you get extra pay if you work on Sunday. Like I get people constantly telling me, you don't work on Sunday, bro. That's, I use that as an open door, an opportunity. No, that's a big church day for me. Really? I always get that weird kind of look. Yeah. I want to honor God. I, I want to serve God. They look at most of the people look at me kind of funny. Like, oh. And it's an open door to be able to talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. So patient in tribulation. As a result, you're going to go through a lot of tribulation in your walk with God because you're now serving the Lord publicly. God's going to test you. It's just a test. And the enemy's going to tempt you to do what? To quit, to go away. All of a sudden, your job is going to make you work only Sundays. Or, oh, I can't do this anymore now. Why? It's always time and money, isn't it? Same two excuses they gave to Jesus in the Gospels. Jesus says, follow me. And uh, there's a lot of would-be disciples. One, one guy who's like calling to have a preaching ministry. Let the dead go, bury the dead. You go preach the Gospel. So patience. One thing that God's going to try to teach you and I through your trials is patience. Someone here needs to hear that. I don't like to hear that when I'm going through that. Anybody know what I mean? You're going through it, you're like, no, 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 I want the, the mercy. 
Ah, I want the grace. But God's going to train you to have patience. He's trying to teach you and I. If you're just sitting there, you're not doing anything with the Christian walk. Patience through tribulation is not going to mean anything. Again, context is now you're saved, you're empowered by the Spirit, through spiritual gifts, His anointing, His empowerment. Now you're serving Him publicly in the church. That's Romans 12. And now you're going to go through tribulation. If you're just sitting at home, you're just reading your Bible, there's no loving one another, there's no gathering in fellowship, there's no pouring out into each other, nobody pouring into you, no accountability, zero discipleship. Patient for what? Oh, come on, move out of the way. You're, you're in the screen. I'm watching the game on TV. You know, this, that's not tribulation. This is speaking of Christian tribulation. That happens when you're serving the Lord publicly in the church. And he's trying to teach you and I what? Patience. Patience. So Christians, servants of the church, there's like 20 plus people here serving. Praise God. One of the things he's trying to teach you and I, patience. You're going to go through tribulation. You stop serving, still be your choice. Gets what I see. I see it all the time. People come in, they go through. Like a turnstile, like the New York City subway. The enemy just tempts them out, and guess what you don't see? You don't see much of a walk later on. Unless it's Jesus, truly, that calls someone away. But people are serving. And the enemy's like, do whatever you can. Get them out of a Bible teaching church. Get them out of that church. Why? Because they're being discipled. They're finally learning how to have spiritual discipline in their life. And God's trying to teach them patience. So guess what the enemy's going to try to do? No, no, you don't need to be patient. Go over here. You can make more money. Go over here. It can be a blessing. You get entertainment at that church. But Jesus doesn't want that. He wants you and I to learn spiritual patience. So next time you're memorizing, you're shouting out Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. What else? Joy. Peace. What's the fourth one? How do you say it? She's greeting her teeth. Patience. Okay. Yeah, it's also in one of your translations. It might say long-suffering. Think about that, like suffering over a long time. Patience. Patience. Some of your mommies and daddies, you know. You've got to go through patience. So God's trying to teach you and I how to have patience in your tribulation. If you don't have tribulation, guess what you're not going to learn? What aren't you going to learn if you don't have tribulation, church? Patience. So next time you want, God, give me the fruit of the Spirit. <laughs> I want your agape love. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace. Oh, no. Patience. Or maybe you're praying for patience. God, I want to be patient like that sanctified saint. Well, guess what that gal, what that guy's been through a lot? A lot of trials. A lot of tribulation. So that they experientially learn to tap into God's strength and what he's going to give them. Patience. And patience is the most, it's not one of those things where you just pray, Lord, give me patience. I'm so patient now. <laughs> Oh, are you? Next person that cuts you up. <laughs> so patient in tribulation. Notice this one also. The context only makes sense for a Christian that's empowered by the Spirit serving the Lord publicly, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Now, this is not just saying go home, read your Bible, and talk to Jesus, being on your knees like Luke 10, like Mary at the feet of Jesus. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. One thing I learned in my time, I, I can say now I'm on the other side of it. The majority of my life now has been walking with Jesus, serving Jesus publicly. I can say he will use public serving him, right, by serving you, to get me always in prayer. Why? Because I always have a challenge. Because he's wanting me to keep growing forward. Right? Not just going forward, growing forward. And how many of you know that as you're Serving the Lord, especially publicly, you're going to have more challenges. You have reasons now to pray. Who here knows that? 
Now, only by serving the Lord publicly. Serve the Lord in the church. And what happens, now you're going to have more challenges. Now you're going to have more opportunities. What is he trying to do? He's trying to better and bless your relationship with him. And unless you have reasons to come to him, you're not going to continue steadfastly in prayer. You see the context of the text? How it's just, like, they say context is king when it comes to biblical interpretation. If I'm just taking this one little phrase, Romans 12, verse 12, continuing steadfastly in prayer, and you try to apply it, good luck. You're going to get bummed out, burn out, and then drop out. You're like, oh, what's the use? They tried praying. But, when you're serving the Lord, you're going to constantly be at odds with your own flesh, your will. It's like, I can't do this, God. And God's like, finally. We call that serving. And as you serve the Lord, what happens, he's going to constantly get you and I to cry out to him. God, I'm simply trying to obey your command. And I, I, I got to keep reminding my stupid self, forgive me, I'll just confess my own sins, that a lot of times, guess who's in the way of God's will being walked out in my own life? so that you can be blessed either, me. And he's going to allow me to come to the end of myself so that I could do what? So I could finally cry out to him. God, you want me to cry out to you so I could tap into your strength. But he's going to challenge me, even with this. Look at this. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. That Drew, unless... So I, let me just say, to Mike, before I say what I want to say, um, let me do tell you this. I need to serve the Lord. I don't have to, I get to. But I know myself. And some of you guys know yourselves, right? I don't trust myself. In other words, if I don't fellowship with Jesus all all the time, I don't fellowship with the body of Christ constantly, the same group of people with his accountability. In other words, if I'm not here for a couple Sundays, someone's going to ask, I hope someone asks, like, oh, they really know what happened to that guy. <laughs> so there's a loving accountability. And what happens amongst that loving accountability God's going to help me to choose to love him to move forward. I need to serve the Lord. Why? Because I could see. It's a blessing to be able to finally see yourself grow, right? It's hard to see yourself grow. It's easier to see someone else grow. Like you see a kid you haven't seen maybe for a year. I'm like, wow, you really grew a lot. It's hard to see yourself grow. When you start to see yourself spiritually grow, though, it's a really neat blessing, isn't it? And I see that in my own life. I know who God made me. I know who I am in Christ. I remember who I used to be in Adam. I, that person's completely foreign to me. Doing drugs, horrible relationships, everything destroying my own life, uh, being a teenager in handcuffs, all that kind of stuff. Horrible. Horrible. And on the other side of things, through Christ, now he has me doing things like prison ministry, serving him, teaching his word, public. I'm like, Everybody else qualifies more than me, God. But like Paul, like I was the chief of sinners. He's going to keep me in that place, though. And I see how he's moving from grace to grace, how he's healed me and continues to. And I still need, still got a lot of junk that he's trying to pull out and he's trying to replace with his blessings. But what he's going to do is he's going to get me to answer his call one day, one step at a time. And again, it's that long obedience in the same direction. And Christian, this might speak to someone here. That he's asking you not to try it in your strength. Continue steadfastly in prayer. In other words, go home and pray without ceasing. Come up with a big prayer list. And you can Google for sites and books to read. 
And they'll give you a lot of chores and things to do. No, that's man-made. But when you're simply answering his call to walk and obey him daily to do what he's telling you to do, he's going to cause you and I to constantly cry out to him, isn't he? How many of you guys know that? To simply obey what he's telling you to do today. And he's always going to ask you to do something tough. How many of you guys know that? You know that. He's going to ask you to do something, let's just say, cut to the chase. He's going to ask you to do something impossible. Something that you cannot do through your own strength, but through his grace, his strength. And what's that going to cause you to do as you serve the Lord publicly? To continue steadfastly in prayer. Does that make sense now when you look at the context? All right, we're, we're going to have to close here. All right, I'm going to go ahead and close with a word of prayer. And I just want to close today, though, for this teaching time right now. We're kind of over our time. We'll continue on later on. We only covered some of what I wanted to cover, but for the uh, respect of time, we need to close here. But I do want to say, I'm going to close with a word of prayer. And if you want prayer, whatever it is, maybe some of the things we looked at, maybe it's uh, that you would also be empowered by the Lord to serve Him. Maybe some of you want to serve the Lord publicly so you can actually grow forward and not be stuck where you're at. If that's you, then I'm going to ask that you would come forward and we, as a loving church, a servant team, a family, that we can pray for you. Or if you have other prayers that we need to pray for you for. But I'm going to simply close us with a word of prayer for now. Let's all stand though, please. Again, God calls everybody to serve him publicly. Don't think like, oh, I'm, I can't be like that guy, that gal. Don't think like I qualify. I don't. He's going to qualify those whom he calls. He's not going to call those that feel like they're qualified. Because I still feel like I'm not qualified. Imagine that. <laughs> it doesn't get better. The more you know about God, the more humble he's going to keep you. Do you see who he is? And then... In that right place, he's going to correct me, and I go, wow, I see who I am. I'm still a sinner saved by grace. You're still the only one that's pure, holy, perfect, righteous, and I'm everything that you are not. So please empower me and help me, Lord. So if that's you and you want prayer, after I close with prayer, uh, again, we're not going to church. We want to be the church. We want to pray for you, if that's where the Lord's got you out here today. So Father in heaven, we thank you for today. Father, we ask that you would please empower us by your spirit, Lord. Lord, we choose to serve you publicly, not because we're better. We know, we know who we are, Lord. We're sinners, saved by your grace, through faith in Jesus Christ and his work, his shed blood. He died on the cross, was buried and resurrected and ascended into heaven. These things you did because of your love for us, Father. We're saved by your grace. And now we're saints because you declare us as holy. We're righteous because of your work, Jesus. And we still got issues. We still got problems. But as we serve you, you're going to reveal our issues in our hearts so that you could heal us. We don't come to you after the healing is done. It's impossible. We're just going to have more and more issues. So we want to surrender to the work of your spirit that you would renew our minds. We dedicate our bodies to you, a living sacrifice. We're empowered by your spirit with the spiritual gifts, these gifts of grace, to walk forward with you. So, Father, I pray that you would please minister to the hearts of those that are here. I believe you're, you're wanting to minister to each of us, God. Perhaps someone here, you're calling to serve you publicly, to step out, to start maturing. 
So stop complaining. Now help that person, Lord. Help us to continue to heal. And help us to heal, just like a body, to heal itself within. Help us to be the body of Christ here, the church. But empower us, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.